Our culture has experienced the Me Too movement, and the church has some things that it needs to talk about as well. Today, we discuss church abuse on this episode of Unapologetic. We defend truth without compromise with Dr. Bobby Conway, the one-minute apologist. I'm your host, Tim Hall. Bobby, this is a really big subject, and we want to handle it with care. Mm -hmm. So as we discuss some of these things, um, this is coming from our own experience. We're going to discuss a little bit of an article, but just this is really important. Talk to us about church abuse and maybe why this is important while we're talking about this today. Church abuse is nothing new, Tim. I mean, obviously, where you have sinners, you have abuse. Right. And so it's been around uh, since the beginning of the church. Yeah. Uh, and abuse in one form or another has been around since the beginning of age. And I think one of the things that we want to remember as it relates to this issue is the harm that gets caused when we leave it unaddressed. And so there's various forms of abuse that we can get into. Uh, we know that people are familiar with different movements like the hashtag MeToo. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know of the Catholic Church and some of the pedophilia that went down. Right. We know of some of the strong authoritarian abuse with names like James McDonald or Mark Driscoll. Mm-hmm. And we even know of some of the circumstances of sexual abuse with a notorious apologist by the name of Ravi Zacharias yeah. and some of the stuff that went down there. And we're so thankful that RZIM uh, took action there. But all that to say... The importance of us addressing this topic cannot be underestimated. People need to know that their voices can be heard. And people who have been on the side of abusing need to realize that they can be abusing people in ways that they might not seem to think that they're abusing people Mm. when in actuality they leave people with lots of trauma and wounds. Yeah, I think that's that's a great place to start is how might somebody, um, whether they are an abuser or whether they have been abused, be able to look back and evaluate some of that. Um, There are some things that are pretty clear cut. Sexual abuse seems pretty clear cut, but then there may be other things that kind of fall into a gray area. Um, How would you kind of navigate some of those ideas? Yeah. I mean, I definitely would say the sexual abuse is more clear Mm -hmm. and we absolutely need to listen to the voice of those who have been sexually abused. Now, unfortunately, you will have those false claims sometimes where somebody might make up a claim in order to run down a personality or a a particular church. Nevertheless, we know that in the mix of it all, there is people who have been abused. Now, there is a less clear kind of an abuse that can take place, uh, which could be a passive abuse. So Mm -hmm. think of it like active abuse, sexually or verbally or physically abusing somebody, but then a passive abuse of ignoring somebody, of allowing things to be said about somebody and not doing anything about it. So abuse can take on many different shapes and sizes and forms, and that's what we hope to address in this topic. Yeah. So I think one of the things um, about abuse in general, particularly in the church, is it really can cause severe PTSD um, just all around. So we're going to talk about kind of this acronym, but maybe you can address why church abuse specifically, that category of abuse, seems to have such um, an outsized effect. Now, that's not to minimize any other form of PTSD or any other form of abuse, um, but why do you think uh, churches often have this PTSD really, really uh, high level? Um 
Well, I think that what happens in a church setting sometimes is because we're sinful. Hmm. Uh, we don't realize the way that our flesh gets in the way of wounding people. Right. And so we have all kinds of victims of church abuse. And we have to make sure that people feel safe in the church. I mean, the title of our radio show, Unapologetic, uh, just think about it. Uh, what we want is we want to be offering a Christian apologetic. Uh, we want to show a defense through our beliefs, but also mm. through the way we live our life. Right. And when we leave abuse unaddressed and when we're involved in church abuse, this runs down the, the church's reputation. It gives us a mm. black eye. People don't want to be a part of a church where this kind of thing is taking place. So what it can do is when someone's left with PTSD, which is a form of trauma, and people are left traumatized, they no longer feel safe in the church. And church should be the safe safest place that a Christian can right. go to. But what do you do when you don't trust your leadership? Mm. What do you do when the leadership is full of smiles and walking in denial about things that have happened and minimizing things and scapegoating somebody? All of this becomes really, really problematic. And another thing that can happen is just the reinforcing of a group narrative. Sometimes what right. can take place in these churches is you can have particular boards, they hold fast to a group narrative, and they just reinforce their narrative with one another and they don't listen to the voice of the victim of some of the things that have happened. Mm. And so the way that they feel better about their behavior, the way they justify their behavior is they continue to reinforce this group narrative and then they further traumatize the victim by denying what took place when indeed if the victim doesn't have any evidence, then we can recognize that maybe the victim is struggling with some mental derangement but when a victim can clearly say these types of things have happened and people don't take responsibility individually or in a group setting and address it mm. and confess it and apologize and redirect, well, this leaves the person in their PTSD to heal and figure this out. They have to find another setting to heal uh, from their wounds. And then they also are left thinking, will this particular person or will this particular group ever come to terms mm. with what's happening. So one of the fears, Tim, anytime somebody has experienced this is that this will continue to happen if people live in denial. And denial is so hard. I mean, here's the problem with denial. When we're deceived, we don't realize that we're deceived. Right. And so when we deny something uh, that is evident, we've basically sink ourselves into deception yeah. and we just live as if something didn't happen. And that's how we feel okay about it. Yeah. Uh, nevertheless, this still causes much trauma to the individual and it's poor for the leadership of the church and it gives us a bad reputation. Yeah. You've touched on a couple of these things, but it's so prevalent that um, psychologists, psychiatrists have actually kind of given this an acronym. It's called DARVO. Uh, and we, we read an article that had some of the sentence. Mm -hmm. so I'm just going to refer to that. Uh, DARVO is an is an acronym that says deny, attack, reverse victim, and offender. And he goes on to say, the abuse denies that the abuse ever took place. The, the abuser denies that the abuse ever took place, attacks the victim for making false allegations, and then claims that they are really the victim of the baseless uh, lies. And in the case of the church abuse, it is often not only the abuser who engages in Darvo, but the church community itself. And I think that goes to that why it's so painful 
whole um, because it's not just one person. It ends up becoming this whole community, your, your, some of your family, the people that you really trusted. So maybe you can talk a little bit more about some of these different pieces, deny, attack, reverse victim, and offender, and, and how we should be thinking about some of that. Yeah, let's kind of start with the D, deny. Uh, you know, it's been said before, uh, you know, denial is not a river in Egypt in a <laughs> right. tongue-in-cheek way. Uh, but the problem with the deny is you don't see the truth. Mm. In the book of Jeremiah, you, you can't heal a wound by saying it's not there. Right. And so this is a very common way of dealing with something. It's just to deny it. Yeah. Maybe what people do is they look at a track record of an individual mm. and they justify uh, their actions based on a track record of a person. And so they minimize their contribution to what took place because this was justified. You just don't understand what we were up against. Right. You don't understand how this person was. If you knew what we knew, uh, you would understand. Mm. And so they're reinforcing this narrative in order to feel okay okay about their behavior and to not listen mm. to uh, the person who says this was a form of abuse. Yeah. And so instead of owning it, uh, instead of dealing with it and addressing it and repenting of it and acknowledging of it and confessing it, uh, what people do in this situation is they simply deny it. Yeah. And so this denial thing, as I mentioned, uh, makes us uh, susceptible to being deceived. Right. And so you end up living with a narrative that's just not true to the facts. And so then one of the ways that they can help themselves with this is to say, no, this person's really just deceived. Yeah. This person's the one that just doesn't get it. This person's the one that is just blinded. This person's the one that's overreacting. Mm. But the question is, is if this person really genuinely has a, a lot of pain, that pain came from somewhere. Right. That trauma came from somewhere. That PTSD came from somewhere. Yeah. And so just to deny it doesn't seem like we're really dealing and addressing the issue. Yeah. And unfortunately, I think this is a lot of times when the denial happens, uh, when the abuse is denied, sometimes people just let it go and then they don't move on. And that's where uh, it, it can continue to be more and more difficult. And then that moves on to the next stage, which is this attack stage. So talk to us a little bit about this attack stage. Well, this can take a couple forms. This can be very aggressive and it can also be very passive. Mm. Aggressive, um, you know, really turns out just to be, uh, you know, further uh, traumatizing right. to the individual, right. right? Like that's very obvious, very evident. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes people will, uh, you know, use harsh language or gossip or cut downs or, uh, you know, calling into question somebody's reputation. But then when it comes to the idea of a passive approach, uh, this would just be to play ignorant. Boy, I just don't really understand yeah. uh, how this person could feel this way. Or we did all that we could do. Mm. Uh, we were doing A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. Right. And if you could understand all that we were up against, and if you could just see our narrative, you would understand. And so this form just stays passive, but in a sense, uh, the person still feels attacked because there's no real owning of it. Mm. It's just that denial, and it's just... 
looking for every way to prove your innocence while further scapegoating the individual uh, who feels traumatized Mm. in the midst of this. And this stuff, Tim, happens constantly. And sadly, the passive side of things, you can have people who are more aggressive, mean-spirited, cantankerous, and uh, more uh, vitriolic in their approach. But the passive side is much harder to detect. Mm -hmm. And people have a harder time seeing it. They can live in greater denial because they have smiles on their face. Uh, They they talk with such a, you know, we did all that we can do. And and, and, and this person just doesn't give it. Yeah. They just can't see. And so it's a funny uh, situation, but the irony in all of it is uh, it's just completely turning the narrative around. Now, this isn't to say that the person who is PT is struggling with PTSD, is experiencing trauma, this doesn't mean that that person doesn't have any contribution. Right. Uh, this person could be blinded of their own contribution. Yeah. Uh, this person could have owned and acknowledged their contribution. Yeah. Uh, this person could be exactly exaggerating things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the reality is, is there are times when somebody is laying out all of the data points and all of the data points t- together, uh, the individual who is the person who abused in one form or another or the group, uh, they just deny point by point or they're just dismissal in their approach to it. And this can create a lot of pain in ministry and I don't think it pleases the Lord's heart. Yeah, no, I would completely agree. So we talked a little bit about deny, we talked a little bit about attack. Let's talk about this idea of reverse victim. So how might this play out? How might we recognize this? So now all of a sudden, it's really easy to just turn it around. And you see this like when there's sexual abuse or uh, I, I mean, I just you know, heard the story about a person putting a gun uh, to a person's head Mm. and the person's just denying it completely. Mm. Well, what can happen sometimes is people can just begin to say things like, well, you just don't understand this person. So this person becomes a scapegoat. And uh, the, the way that the people or the person who is abusive in a particular situation, the way they justify their behavior is they just continue to reverse things back on the individual. And what they're doing is they're dismissing uh, whatever's coming at them so that it goes back on the person. And as a result, what takes place is their case is being built Mm. to further demonize the individual. And that demonization can take place in a mean-spirited way, as I've said, but it can also take place with a smile on your face. Oh yeah, as people start to question maybe the group Mm. or the individual. Yeah, I know. I I, I hate that this person's feeling that. It's just so sad. We've done all that we can do. We're really trying to address this and it's really passive and it's saying things like, you know, this person just really struggles with some mental health issues Mm. or, you know, this person's track record's just not the best or this person is uh, just kind of stuck believing some things and we're praying for this person, (laughs) you know, we're fasting for this individual. So all of a sudden, the people that might confront the leader or the leaders on this person's behalf, well, well, they walk away really confused because now they're between two narratives narratives. Mm. Uh, They're between a narrative of a person who's incredibly traumatized and 
they leave the conversation with the people they've confronted and they find themselves thinking, well, this doesn't make sense. These people seem as if they've done everything that they could possibly do. Right. Yet this person is utterly traumatized over this. Mm. And then what can, people can do in this situation as well is the abuser or the abusing group, what they can uh, do is they can say things like, you know, this person's just still struggling with bitterness. They're showing their bitterness. So a form of reversing this is you further traumatize the individual by saying, this isn't a really forgiving person. Well, nevertheless, forgiveness hasn't even been asked for. It's been denied. But nevertheless, this person's the bitter one. Mm. This person's the one with the hard heart. Mm. This person's the one that's just making things up. When if that person can come to the table with these types of things have happened, there was sexual abuse, there was verbal abuse, there were these types of actions taking place that really caused harm and pain. And when those facts are denied, that's when you know it's there. So I would say to the abuser, uh, if you are coming up with a false narrative to you know, bring down people, then that is sinful and that yeah. is wrong. And you need to repent and you need to deal with bitterness in your heart. Yeah. But if you've got true facts here that not only you can validate, but others can come to your aid and say, yeah, these things indeed did happen. Right. And then you have the group as a, not wanting to own it or the individual not wanting to own it. Well, then at that stage, we have a real problem on our mm-hmm. hand. Yeah. So that, okay. So there's this last piece, man, there is just so much in here. It sounds a lot like what you're describing is gaslighting to me. It's like, it is gaslighting, you know, gaslighting to the core. To the, yeah, to, the, to the nth degree. So the last one uh, is, is the offender. So this kind of like reverses this whole entire thing. So talk to us a little bit about that. And then, then maybe we'll talk about some solutions yeah. uh, that we'd like to see in yeah. the church kind of at large. Uh, this is sad, Tim. I mean, uh, you and I are both very you know aware of a particular situation where we've heard several stories come mm-hmm. out where people mm-hmm. have felt gaslighted. They have felt very similar scenarios. And uh, this group narrative just gets reinforced. Yep. There's this passivity. Uh, we're just not really sure. It's all with smiles on your face. And so uh, having lived through this kind of a thing, uh, I know exactly from firsthand experience what this can feel like. Yeah. And so when I read this article, I thought, my goodness, uh, this is uh, tragic. And my greatest fear is that this stuff keeps happening. And I've seen different people where they've come to me in this particular situation where they've experienced yeah. it. And it's the same kind of ex- narrative, just with different facts. And I think this situation that I would be aware of is not unique. This is happening Mm. in all kinds of churches. This happens in companies. Uh, This happens in the home, unfortunately. And I think it's really, really important that uh, we listen empathetically to people mm. so we can get to the core of what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, again, I'm just going to refer to this article. It says churches regularly demand the silence of the abuser and the abuse must be kept secret to protect the reputation of the church. But, and I think we can, we want to say that we validate that, that sometimes that that happens. So let's talk a little bit about process. If someone is abused or uh, this maybe is happening in a church, what would you like to see different from a church organization so that true allegations are dealt with, that abuse um, is not something that is continues to happen, but that there's not false allegations that are are brought and people are are then you know cast out because of something that didn't actually happen. What sort of guidelines would we mm-hmm. put in place as the church? What would you like to see different? Mm-hmm. 
I think one of the things that can happen in certain situations, Tim, is the person who is struggling from PTSD and traumatized uh, by a particular event that they went through in Mm. their church with a leader or with a group of leaders, I think it's important to bring in third party to help arbitrate the situation. And the reason is, is so often there's too much pain involved in uh, the story between both sides. And uh, I think that we can you know, really be benefited by an outside group to help arbitrate, to listen to both sides. Mm, Uh, And if you're on an arbitration committee, so to speak, you're listening and you really want to get down to hearing both sides of the story. And then you want to look at the facts. And so you would lay these facts out. So like, if it was my case, I'd be like, okay, well, here's a list. Boom, 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 boom. Did these things happen? Okay, if they didn't happen, then you yeah. need to just back off. Right, right. If those things did happen, then you can't deny, you can't reverse blame, you right. can't attack. Yeah. You have to deal with this. Yeah. The danger of never bringing in a third party to help arbitrate is uh, you end up stuck and unreconciled and you never move forward. Mm. And that's a tragic situation. And I think this can often happen in situations where uh, you can have a church leadership board or um, you can have a pastor who's, you know, all the exclusive power is with him. Right. And they just make all the decisions and there's mm. no listening to outside people to hear what they would say right. on a situation. And you just feel settled in it and yeah. you feel good about it. Uh, a lot of times what can take place is a group can feel good because, oh, we have consensus. So surely right. the Holy Spirit would be with us. Right. Well, right. Uh, not necessarily. Uh, there have been groups that have been wrong before yeah. in history. And I think that is one of the ways forward, Tim, is for that third party to help arbitrate that. And that's one of the things that as I counsel people in the future on this topic that I'd want to deal with. Mm. I know this as well, you know, I've heard, oh, you know, because I spoke out on this topic um, before mm-hmm. early on that, oh, I obviously am struggling with bitterness. And bitterness really, you know, uh, that's a motive thing. Yeah. Uh, but I know in my heart that while there is pain and there is hurt and all that, I mean, I can honestly say today, I'm just so thankful for where I'm even at. I'm not right. speaking on this because I'm walking around in bitterness. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm walking around feeling so freed, yeah. uh, walking in joy, yeah. so thankful for what the Lord's done in my life because the Lord at the end of the day is our healer and that's what we have to trust that he can bring us through this. At the same token, uh, when I heard that, I thought that's that's a tough thing to say because you want to be honest about your story Mm. because you want to help people. So I will for the rest of my life look to be a voice and to Mm. help people in this and even in our own context, wanting to set up the right type of parameters that can prevent this kind of thing from happening again. So if anything... I pull away from the situation. I'm trying to reflect and learn, um, you know, and here's the other thing. Um, I I can say this without a shadow of a doubt too. I, I know um, in, with all the integrity of my heart that, 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 I have many things that I've done wrong in my life. Yeah. And I know that it's important to me to apologize, to own, to repent, 
to acknowledge. Mm. And I, I want to keep that posture. Yeah. And I would want to say that if there are things I'm ignorant of, then I would want to apologize and I'd want to own that for the kingdom's right. sake, for reconciliation's sake. Uh, but when you see um, uh, people not wanting to do that, then that can be problematic. Yeah. And so sometimes um, you can have even situations where people can, oh, we'll, we'll address this if there's been group abuse. Mm. Well, we'll just kind of address the individual on individual level and we'll each individually kind of right. clean this up, but there's no corporate group acknowledgement that this is wrong. And why? That's a lot more costly yeah. because that would require that we as a group did something wrong. Mm. And so this is a very interesting way that you can see groups try to live with what went down in order to justify uh, what went down. And so I know that there will be hundreds, if not thousands of people who are listening to our podcast and to this radio show who have been in similar situations. Yeah. And the key is to not give up on the local church. I want to say that Jesus can pull us through, that he can heal us, that at the end of the day, we don't need other people's validations. While I do think that glorifies God, I do think that God can help us. Mm -hmm. And we, at the end of the day, have to do what we can to learn from our past pain, experiences, and mistakes. Well, as you said, Bobby, uh, this is something that is pervasive, and I appreciate your honesty and the way that we're navigating this as a church in general. And to our audience, uh, thank you for checking out this episode on the radio. If you want to watch it again, you can head on over to youtube.com slash one minute apologist, and we'll meet you next time on The Unapologetic Show. You've been listening to Unapologetic with Dr. Bobby Conway, the One Minute Apologist. I am your host, Tim Hall. Be sure to listen to Bobby on Pastor's Perspective Monday through Thursday, as well as like, share, and subscribe to the One Minute Apologist YouTube channel, where we have over 1,000 videos. We would also like to remind you that this is a listener-supported program. We would greatly appreciate your support in any amount so we could continue to provide this ministry. If you would like to be a part of our team in any capacity, please visit our website at oneminuteapologist.com. And while you're there, check out all of Bobby's books, courses, and even invite him to speak at your church or event. Thank you for listening to Unapologetic, where we defend truth without compromise. Sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa.